Welcome to Just Clarity, a periodic podcast about digital. Just Clarity is produced by the team at Digital Clarity Group. We help leaders transform the experience they deliver to customers, prospects, and their employees through the effective selection, integration, and adoption of customer experience management technology. Learn more at digitalclaritygroup.com. In this week's episode, we will look at the seeming lip service being given to organizational change when it comes to technology implementations. My name is Kathy McKnight, and I am the VP of Consulting for Digital Clarity Group. Joining me today is Jill Finger Gibson, one of our principal analysts. Welcome, Jill. Thanks, Kathy, and good happy morning to you. Um, so, yeah, so the topic of organizational change uh, has, it seems to be coming up more and more at um, interestingly, at technology-themed conferences, and um, I think that um, you know, most recently we we both heard it when we were at the Gilbane Digital Content Conference last week, um, where uh, increasingly, although the discussions of what technology you choose to implement, it, be it a CMS or a more complicated solution. Um, people are starting to come around to the idea that it's more than just about the technology, which is is good for us, right? Because that's kind of how Digital Clarity Group was founded, is exactly on thinking that um, and that looking at the processes around it in place are, are important. Um, so um, the I guess one of the things that I'm wondering around organizational changes, how are you seeing that playing out or do you in with working with our clients who are um, doing these kinds of projects in your in the end user consulting business? Yeah, it's a huge topic, Jill. I mean, as you and I talked about last week when we were together in, in Boston at Gilbane, and again, um, we're seeing more and more coverage of it from um, an article and, and blogging perspective. But we certainly, from our consulting practice perspective, see it with every engagement, regardless of whether we're going in and helping a, a company um, sort of get their roadmap for strategy together. So that early stage where they're not quite at a technology implementation, or if they call us up and, and we're helping them with the selection one of the, the focal points for, for us is to make sure that they're taking into consideration this is not about technology. When push comes to shove a major implementation, whether it's a web content management system or a digital experience platform or marketing automation platform, doesn't matter what the, the technology is, whether it's MarTech or beyond that, um, companies really have to consider what they're getting from a technology and how that impacts their teams. Um, what a lot of companies don't realize and what we advocate for is, is to not look at it as solely a technology implementation. We look at, look at it from a four-prong perspective, which is technology, obviously, the people and the process being two of the other factors, but also in relation as an overall umbrella to the organizational goals of why they're actually implementing the new technology. And often when you put it in context of that, throwing in that fourth layer, because you often hear about people, process, and technology, um, when you, you tie it back to the, the, the concept of, okay, why are we doing this? It really makes them stop to think in, and about the people and the process and the other aspects of the business that the new technology will impact. Yeah. So you've experienced that. Do you have any um, sort of, without naming names, an example or of a project maybe that, that you've you've worked on recently or a case study where, where that might have happened? Yeah, we actually did um, a selection for a company um, on the West Coast uh, earlier this year. And they were very, very myopically focused on the technology. So what they wanted to engage us for was the selection of a web content management system. 
Um, and when I went in there and, and the team started asking them questions about, you know, okay, well, can you show me your content strategy? Can you show me your digital strategy? Can you show me, um, you know, they were going through some major transformation from an organizational perspective. Can you show me what it's going, what the marketing team and what the business ops team and what your R&D team are going to look like um, six months from now? Because we really need to consider that as we're selecting the technology. Who's going to be playing with uh, the content management system? Is it, is it solely going to be a centralized team? Or are you looking to make it more decentralized and put the power of content that sort of real time being able to update, which is one of the reasons why they were looking for a new content management system was to make sure that it wasn't just a, a centralized team that could modify the content and get and remove that bottleneck. And they couldn't answer any of those questions. They kept telling me that they had a content strategy, but they really didn't. So as we delved into the technology requirements, we were also surfacing the people and process requirements and strategic requirements as part of that. So what the project ended up doing is finding not only a technology, but also a partner, um, an implementation partner, and in this case, a digital, a digital, digital agency, who would be able to help them do those preliminary steps of identifying a content strategy. What do you want it to look like at the end? so that they could then shape the implementation of the technology they selected um, to move in that direction. Right, right. So I guess a thing that you've you've surfaced in that example, which is also something that I've heard in, in some of the research that I've, I've done on, on content and commerce integration, is that you need to look at who the, the stakeholders are um, going to be, not just for the implementation, but also post-implementation, right? Like... Um, understanding, um, you know, not just a, for a content management system, for example, it's going to be a web content manager as well, but also, you know, who are the other users going to be of that system and what will they need to be able to do to troubleshoot um, if something goes wrong, for example. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, Jill. And, and let's just keep going with the web content management system, although, it, like I said, it's it's applicable to many major big pieces of technologies. Traditionally, we, we think of web content management, we think marketing, um, and we think that it's, it's centric on marketing, and, and they're the only ones who need to be involved. And content is becoming a company-wide thing. It's something that not just marketing is, is devising. You're now looking at product teams and product information. You're looking at um, sales teams. You're looking at commerce teams, which tend to be separate. Um, so those managing the product information may be in a separate system. Um, you also have to consider integration points and what information is feeding back and forth. When we start looking at cross-channel, um, omni-channel, you know, content is something that needs, um, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village really, you know, to properly manage and deliver the content that um, customers, whether they're B2B or B2C, need in order to um, facilitate their journey and get the experience that they're looking for. And, and by content, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we mean by content, because I think also that that seems to be changing, particularly with um, the rise of machine intelligence and um, artificial or artificial intelligence, different terminology um, coming about that it's we're not we're looking not just at the Web, right? We're looking at, you know, audio as well as video Um and examples that we heard coming up like at, at Gilbain last week com- that are things is that there's more voice being integrated into the content interaction experience. Like the example that was thrown out was the, um, and a lot of people 
are you buying these services like the Alexa from Amazon, for example? Absolutely. And that's generating a whole new category of content um, and data as well. I mean, we won't, let's not complicate this podcast when we start getting into data, but certainly that's something to consider as well, because you need the, you know, data truly drives what content is needed, where and when. Um, and that is a skill set that is shamefully lacking in many organizations. Um, and it's really difficult if they don't think about those elements when they're implementing new technology, um, all of the, the cross-pollination that needs to happen to make the investment in that technology the, the most it can be from a success perspective. Um, again, it, it's, it's a real challenge. And it does go back to um, organizational change and getting... Um, the, the organization from the very top to embrace a culture of change. Um, we always talk about from a, a technology, when it's a major technology buy, that you want to go uh, as far up the food chain as you can to get support for the initiative, not that they are going to be sitting in um, selection meetings or, or through um, on-site demonstrations or anything like that, but you want their commitment, you want them to understand the impact on the business so that if there's pushback or if it needs further support or further funding, that you've got somebody at the top level. Change is the same way. Change is led from the top. It's something that um, it needs to come from you know, the highest level and then cascaded down to every single layer and put in context of why it's so important to them. And it's going to be a different story depending on um, who it is that you're speaking with. And it can't just be about um, you know, the business rationale. It needs to be, there needs to be the whiffum in it, what's in it for me from an employee perspective as well when that change is, is starting to be cascaded out throughout the organization. Yeah, I, I heard that actually there was a quote that I, I tweeted from um, a woman who, who manages digital transformation at one company, um, National Instruments, where she said, prepare to, prepare to be the brunt of people's frustrations one really interesting topic is I think everybody kind of in theory rationally agrees, yeah, we need to be ready to change. But what is a, a culture of change? It's actually really uncomfortable. You know, it's it's not easy. So do you, um, I'm just wondering if you think that there are some some ways that that, you know, line employees or managers can learn to be a bit more flexible and um, proactive about being able to change when it's needed. Yeah, I, I think, you know, everybody deals with change differently. And I, I think truly to have change um, happen successfully within an organization, it's about finding those few individuals who can really galvanize others. Mm-hmm. So you may be looking at somebody, it could be any department, it could be HR, it could be admin, it could be R&D, like you never know when you're going to find them, right? But really looking at the the organization and who is the one piping up about new ideas or who is the one, you know, getting involved in um, employee engagement activities and things like that and getting them to truly get on side and, and be the spokesperson and, and like I said, galvanize that thought process. And it's it's about encouraging people to you know, step out their comfort zone. And I go back to the leadership. It's having them show themselves stepping out of their comfort zone. It's about, you know, talking honestly, not just about how great it's going to be for the company and what it's going to mean to the bottom line and things like that. But talking about the fact that, you know what, this is going to be tough. I have reservations, but I see this as the best step forward for us to succeed in the future. Being able to put, um, 
comparisons of competitors. Talk about, you know, or, or, or uh, aspirational organizations and showing how they've changed and what it's meant to their business. Um, you know, it's, it's really about um, finding those few who can lead the many um, through the change and create more comfort in this very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that issue of, um, I mean, that's getting into a whole other topic and Lord knows there's enough quotes and comments on the link, LinkedIn at all about leadership and effective leadership. But I think, I think one thing that you, you hit on there that, that does work just from a personal perspective is I think, you know, that giving, giving the evidence, if it's available of, what can be, what can possibly work? Like, here's, here's what I think we will look like if we do this and, and reassuring people also that, you know, that this isn't going to just upset the entire apple cart of what we're doing, or it might do, but there'll still be things for you to do. And I think one of the things that comes up actually that I hear is people are, they're looking at self-preservation, right? With an organizational change. And there's a real fear here of, what auto, increasing automation will mean. People don't want to kind of automate themselves out of a job. Um, so I think that's, you know, the question of like what leaders need to look at, that it, it does need to come from the top. I think that, you know, putting that that level of um, reassurance is, is probably important or not. I mean, the well, honesty you, thing I, that you said is, is pretty important. Yeah. And I think you hit it right there on the head, Jill, is that, you know, leadership is important or maybe it's not. That really goes back to the culture of the organization. And the, mm-hmm. ch- the change that happens needs to be done within the, the purview of that culture. So if, even if the culture is the one, the thing you're trying to change, you need to look at where it's at today and work with it rather than against it to evolve it. And change, change for other factors if you're not trying to change the culture, if you're trying to do another major organizational change or structure or things like that. It's understanding the culture of the organization and taking that into consideration as the, the path forward and the strategy for change is put in place. Because to just say, this is the way we're going to do it, which is completely counter to any kind of you know, method or madness that the organizational is, organization is used to today, it, you're just asking for failure. Um, right. So really taking a step and looking at the culture and, and seeing what's worked in the past um, and how to move the needle slowly but surely forward, uh, regardless, like I said, whether it's a culture change that you're looking for or a technology change or, or this transformation, this digital transformational change that we talk about. Um, but starting with the culture is, is the first step, I would say. Okay, let's, let's look at another issue, if we could get back to it, is the whole the issue of... Um, bringing in voice and voice as a type of content. Um, uh, what do you, how do you see that in, in sort of the enterprise content world? Where is, are, are people, do you think people are going to switch more to sort of voice enabled content and that's going to be an enterprise issue? You know what? I, I think it's still new. I think there's a lot of people who feel, feel really weird about talking to a piece of furniture. I think things like the, even showing the adoption and use of Siri um, was slower than expected, um, right. and things like that. So it is coming. Um, it is going to be a major change. It's not something that I see a lot of organizations, and that's not to say that they're not working on it. It could just be the ones that we're working with right now. Um, they're not looking at it currently. 
um, as a primary source of content. But I do believe that ch- that'll change. But I think what the these voice activated um, pieces of technology like uh, the Alexa and, and Google and whatnot that they have, um, it's a behavior change. Um, but I also think it's it will drive um, data driven decisions first rather than um, content generation. Yeah, that came up on actually on the the panel I moderated at Gilbane, where um, one of the speakers um, is a an executive at this at this company called Kik K I K, which is a mm-hmm. it's a chat platform for teenagers basically, and. Um, you know, he was saying that one of one of the the ideas about you know chat and one of the the advantages that it'll give is it'll provide a whole level new level of data for the organization to understand um, its customers and its customer interactions and so forth. And then, but that that also brings us to yeah that that's that all sounds great. But I think what you highlighted, which is a real issue, and it's not going to get. Um, better unless the industry as a whole addresses it is the already I think marketers and their like are overwhelmed by data and unsure about sometimes there's a lot that's available but what's useful and what how to draw insights from it is still something that a lot of organizations struggle with. I would agree and, and that's that is one of the biggest changes that need to happen within an organization is I just um, actually wrote a post about the permeation of data between the silos. So a lot of people have talked about uh, breaking down the silos. That's not going to happen. Um, companies are structured a certain way for a reason. Uh, having a completely flat organization is incredibly challenging and comes with its own hardship. Um, just as matrixed organizations do, et cetera. So I think, you know, companies, rather than trying to, to make it all, make the world flat when it's round, is to look at ways of sharing data. Um, and that is a great first uh, step in organizational change is, is, you know, sort of opening, getting those who lead or own the keys to the, the data fiefdoms um, across mm-hmm. the organization is uh, getting them to, to put the keys in the doors and, and swing open the doors so that people have access uh, to the data, not relinquishing it. They can still keep, you know, keep the keys to their kingdom, but but opening it up and, and sharing, I think, is a great opportunity to to invoke change um, and create a more collaborative and open perspective on uh, not only data sharing, but thus from their uh, content generation. So I'm thinking about that. So so does that mean um, for that kind of sharing that it necessarily kind of paradoxically will lead companies to go like, oh my God, we need new data technology to share the data between silos and um, start looking at, you know, um, data analytics, business information and start turning to the technology or is the technology really already there? within a lot of organizations, they're just not using it. Technology is often already there. Um, There's there's often multiple choices for the technology. Um, It's not that they don't have enough, it's they're spoiled for choice um, as far as what to use. So it's another um, part of the the step forward in sharing that data is looking at where the data resides, who's collecting what, and you can actually find that companies will, will find economies of scale because they'll be able to reduce some of the redundancy um, in the data being collected because multiple points, multiple groups will be collecting the same information 
or they might find that they have redundant systems. Um, and it's not that people will no longer have access to the data they need. It's just that you're going to be streamlining and it pulling it into one, um, one or, or fewer at least um, repositories as opposed to having it scattered you know, throughout the organization. That sounds like actually a really good opportunity if they aren't doing it already for the third-party implementers to help companies with, like agencies like helping, helping companies to un- better understand how to deal with their data and analytics. Absolutely. I think it's, um, I think it's something that uh, many organizations can use help with. Um, but again, it's, it's, you can't boil the ocean, right? Um, you've got to start somewhere, uh, one pot at a time, as they say. Um, so it's certainly something to be aware of. And it's a great opportunity to build that. We talk about building relationships with the um, partners that you select. So not doing one-offs because it, it's, a, it's a huge learning curve for agencies, whether they're system integrators or digital agencies or the like, coming in to learn the organization, to understand their culture, to understand their business and their business philosophy, as well as their goals and aspirations. Um, so building that relationship, finding a partner that really works with them from a uh, functional fit, from a cultural fit, from a um, complementary skill set perspective, and then allowing that relationship to grow into uh, and beyond from, you know, whether it's a web content management system implementation to look at data, to look at other pieces of their MarTech, to look at their strategy, um, even talk about even helping them with change management process, because it's often a lot easier for employees to accept change when it's coming from the outside mm-hmm. um, than it is coming from internally, because there's no, um, there's no history. It's, it's net new, and they can, they can hear the message with sometimes clearer ears um, than when it's coming from someone else and there's, there's a history tainting with the words that are being said. Is there anything else on this theme of organizational change and technology or implementation that, um, that you see as being important to highlight here? No, you know what? I think the last thing, um, wrapping this up, um, I think you brought up a really good point is, you know, looking at the systems that they have. So, you know, with change, like I said, it needs to start at the top and be cascaded down and at every level. Like we're not talking about jumping tiers. It's, it's about um, going through every single pore of the organization. Um, actions speak louder than words. So again, you know, take steps. Don't just talk about change. Make change. Start making, baby, even if they're baby steps, um, and, and move forward and, and start doing things differently. Because if it's just talk, people will chalk it up to just talk and, and they'll not feel the, the pressure or the, the impetus to move forward with the organization. Um, think outside of the box. You know, don't just do things the way they've always done them. It's, it's really hard from a process perspective when something is become uh, common and route for people and it's comfortable. Um, so change takes time and, and you've got to give people the time to a- accept that. And don't go buying extra technology to help with the change if you don't need to. Use the systems that you have. Think about different ways they can be used. That's the great thing about technologies today is they're, they're so flexible. So, you know, again, look at what they have at hand and see how they can be leveraged to facilitate the change. So go back to, go back to your intranet uh, or your employee portal and how can you leverage that to help facilitate the change um, look at some of the tools you le- that companies use for their external clients and use them internally. So whether it's web recordings or videos or fun animations, you know, really treat your employees as uh, clients and customers um, in this process. And then just keep adapting. Keep adapting, keep changing, 
start from the top. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for talking about the organizational change uh, issue with me, Kathy. Oh, thank you, Jill. Um, And to everybody, thank you for listening. You've been listening to another episode of Just Clarity produced by the team at Digital Clarity Group. For more information on the topics we've discussed today or the subject of customer experience management, please visit us at digitalclaritygroup.com and have a great day.